0: You know, this can really, really hurt productivity. You know, you don't realize it. this took me a long time to understand this principle because I myself have made these mistakes in Asia, um, you know, where I had a lot of people, a lot of staff. And and I'll admit, sometimes it makes you feel good as a business owner. Look at all the staff I have, and it makes you feel powerful. Then after a while, you kind of get this really big, like sort of dragon that you're, you're dealing with. And all you're doing is, you, you know, you're just earning money to pay the salary, earning money to pay for the offices, earning money to pay for you know, everything that you needed. And at the same time, you've got like, you know, half or, or two thirds of the people that aren't really even working. And so, you know, you're basically paying people to sit in their desk and to not work. Hi, this is Anita, the Global Trade Gal. Today, I want to talk a little bit about communism and productivity, and actually why communism and productivity does not mix well together. And I'll tell you some of my own experiences from my own life and things that I have seen. I've spent a good part of my adult life living and working in socialist or communist countries. One of the things that I have always seen is how strict communist principles and productivity never really go hand in hand. You know, communism is all about the common ownership of production. And what this means is that everybody's supposed to share in the production with free access to all the articles of consumption. Like, in other words, it's about having a classless and sort of stateless society where everyone is sort of equal. You know, like if you're sick or you're not able to work, then you under communism, you should be able to still have food, you should be able to have a house, and your neighbors or others should, you know, be willing to work for you and to be able to help you. That should be great in theory, you know, and that we should want to be able to help others. But there are some problems that I see in it. You know, it was um, Chairman Mao Zedong, who was the president of... China for many years, who said this about what the ideal communist worker is. At no time and in no circumstances should a communist place his personal interests first. He should subordinate to the interests of the nation and the masses. Hence, selfishness, slacking, corruption, seeking the limelight are most contemptible while Working with all one's energy, wholehearted devotion to public duty, and quiet hard work will command respect. Now, this is really an interesting thought, especially as, you know, even though Chairman Mao supposedly said that when he was president, like, you know, he was living in poverty, which wasn't true at all. In fact, you know, there's a lot of wealth and there was definitely a system at the time in Beijing among, you know, those government officials and their children would go to special schools and had special privileges and had, you know, special things that they that they could do. That, you know, you know, those children were also the ones who were being able to get to the United States to go study. There was a class even in the society then. But, you know, he said here that basically that basically people should be willing to not you know put the state first before their own public interest you know you know, that that may seem like ideal you know to some people but in theory it's very different because what happens when you know you're going to put the state first is there's suddenly there's no incentive for you to become productive there's no incentive at all for you to have productivity because we are all human beings and as human beings, we really like to be able to work hard and then to see the fruits of our labors. I think that's just kind of like a natural part of who we are as human beings. It was a, a Michael Lindsay, who was a UK-China scholar, said this about productivity and communism. He said, the actual communist choice is almost certainly that socialism, defined in communist terms, is a more important objective than productivity or raising the standard of living. So essentially what he's saying here is that even under the communism, the ideal of communism or socialism becomes more important than productivity or people being able to raise their standard of living or people being able to raise themselves up. He pointed out that the problem with the communist system is that the system itself or more importantly, um, productivity, you know, is lacking, and as productivity helps to raise people's standard of living, then of course the standard of living remains low because the productivity is low. You know, this is because in communism, you're rewarded no matter what you do, and it's considered okay. You know, you don't need to be more productive because being more productive, you know, will not increase your wealth. You know, most people will just do what they need to do in order to get by. You know, I saw this experience firsthand when I was in China in the mid-1980s. You know, at the time, you know, China was a heavily communist country. And so there was really minimal incentive for any workers to do anything extra. You know, when you'd go to the store and, you know, there'd be these really long lunch times, which, you know, the Chinese love to take, these siestas. You know, a lot of times from like 11.30 in the morning till 2.30, And there could be a girl there behind the counter, and she would have been eating her lunch. And then she may have set up a bed for herself, and she might be sitting down and, you know, sleeping. And, you know, even the doors of the store might even be open. And if it was one of a nicer store, maybe there's air conditioning. So they wanted to be inside in the heat of the summer in the air conditioning. So, you know, that's why they didn't go home. So they would, you know, just be behind the counter there sleeping. You could come up to the counter and you could say, I want to buy this. And she'll look at you like, I'm not selling it to you now. Like you have to wait until my lunchtime's over or wait until my break's over. And they literally would not help you or sell anything to you until their lunchtime or their break time was over because there was absolutely no incentive for them to sell anything to you or to do anything extra that they had to do. The same thing would happen with the bus all the time. Like there'd be a bus driver and he'd be on the bus and sometimes even the door would be open. People would get on the bus, but the bus wouldn't move until it was exactly his lunchtime was up and then all of a sudden the bus would move. Or a taxi. A taxi wouldn't move. A taxi wouldn't pick you up because it was their lunchtime. I mean, why should they work any extra? Why should they be productive? Because of the fact that no matter what, if they work or they don't work, they're gonna be paid exactly the same amount of money. You know, so this really like I saw this principle very much firsthand in China um in the eighties when I was there. And then suddenly, you know, um then Deng Xiaoping, who understood the basics of economics, you know, he basically said, Look, you know, we need to change this around. So he started making you know, incentivizing and productivity and private ownership. And boy, suddenly now, whoa, the Chinese became extremely hard workers almost overnight. Those people that were in the store, those people that are on the bus, suddenly they had this incentive. They had a reason to work hard. You know, suddenly the farmers had a reason to work really hard out on their farms. And they would be out there from early in the morning until late at night. They would be trying to grow more crops and do more things instead of taking these long siestas. Yeah, so it really, if you look at a country like China, you can really see, and you know, someone like me who's watched China through all these years and has been kind of a bit of a China watcher, you can really see the huge difference in this principle, and how this entire you know Mao Zedong thought of the ideal communist, that he should put the interests of the nation above above the masses, and that he should, you know, you know, not be selfish or slacking or corrupt. And not seek the limelight, but should work with their whole energy to be able to basically to help the state. And how really that failed and that didn't work. And and it didn't work because there was no incentive and there was absolutely positively no productivity. You know, one of the um, interesting things that I learned as I was working on this, um, you know, actually there's a blog on this that you can read on my website, Mindoro. Um, dot com, which is M O N D O R O, and the blog is entitled "Communism and Productivity: Why It Does Not Work." And one of the things I learned about this is that in the communism society, one of the things that they tend to do, and and you can see this quite a bit. This this happened before in China, and it's you know it's happened in some other socialist countries where they tend to overman. In other words, they tend to hire a lot more people for a position. And, you know, that was, you could always see that very clearly in especially a lot of government offices. And, you know, years ago in China, you'd go into a government office and half the people were reading the newspaper. They had absolutely no work to do. You know, they they would come in, they would show up because they wanted to be paid. In order to be paid, they had to show up. So they would show up, they'd come to work, and there would be absolutely no work at all for them. So what would they do? They'd sit, they'd read the newspaper, and basically wait for their lunchtime, and then come back, maybe do a little bit of work, maybe they have a little bit here, a little bit there. And then that would basically be their whole day. That would be their work and what they were, what they were doing. There again, there is absolutely no incentive for them to work. And second of all, You know, when you have an office where you have five people doing the job that one person should be doing, there's really a lack of productivity going on. People are not working hard because no matter what, they're going to get paid. It was um, David Lane, another scholar on China said, um... you know, when he was speaking about this, speaking about the overmanning, said, this fact gives rise to economic pressure that keep wage low and demand for labor high, which leads to widespread overstaffing and slack work standards. You know, I kind of learned this myself the hard way with my own business. There was at one point where, you know, my my staff, you know, being Chinese and maybe, you know, being kind of used to this, kept saying, oh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, you need to hire somebody. And, you know, at the time, business was good, kept hiring people, kept hiring people, kept hiring people. And then one day I turned around and I thought, oh, my goodness, there's probably only like a third of the people here are actually working. You know, you have can come to a point where you have so many people, but nobody's really working. And I see this problem in a lot of other offices and a lot of other even factories in, in places around Asia and especially, you know, countries that have had the communist or socialist ideal, they, a lot of times they feel like completely overstaffed, you know, because that's what they've seen. You know, that's why sometimes you could go into a coffee shop and, you know, maybe the coffee shop's kind of empty, but there could be, you know, 10 people sitting around. You know, because the coffee shop owner thinks, well, I better just hire a lot of people, you know. I mean, I have seen this principle actually quite a bit in Asia where the feeling is this, but what it does too is it really keeps the wages low, like he was saying, you know, and the demand for labor high. You know, suddenly now you have all these people that are doing the work, you know, that, you know, you have five people that's doing the work that one person could do. And so you kind of end up with Every being, everybody's unproductive. Like there is nobody in the group or organization that's really, really being productive. Nobody's really having to perform. You know, then there's some people that look, you know, look around and they start saying like, well, what do I need to do to look busy? How do I look busy? You know, so then they start doing this kind of busy work, work they don't really need to do, which is completely against the principles of productivity. And so they're not even doing what's important. They're just doing stuff to be able to be busy and to want everyone to think they're busy. You know, this can really, really hurt productivity. You know, you don't realize it. This took me a long time to understand this principle because I myself have made these mistakes in Asia. Um, you know, where I had a lot of people, a lot of staff. And and I'll admit, sometimes it makes you feel good as a business owner. Look at all the staff I have, and it makes you feel powerful. Then after a while, you kind of get this really big, like sort of dragon that you're, you're dealing with. And all you're doing is, you're, you know, you're just earning money to pay the salary, earning money to pay for the offices, earning money to pay for, you know, everything that you needed. And at the same time, you've got like, you know, half or or two thirds of the people that aren't really even working. And so, you know, you're basically paying people to sit in their desk and to not work. And this is, you know, especially dangerous. Let me just make a point here. If anybody's looking to do anything like to be in a country like Vietnam or China, which is a socialist country, because when you hire people here and you sign a contract with them, it's very difficult to get rid of them. You know, you might just say, well, why don't you just fire them? Well, sometimes it is a lot more expensive to fire somebody than to keep them because the laws are set up in these socialist countries in favor of the employee, not the employer. And that kind of goes back to this socialist system and the socialist way of thinking, this, this way of thinking that everybody should have a job. So, you know, under the communism or socialism, they think, well, if everybody's supposed to have a job, then if you sign a contract with somebody and you say you're going to, you know, hire them and then they pass after so many months, and then you know they worked with you for a year, then you know, you then you've already said that person's good. You know, in in China, for every year a person works, you need to pay them a one month severance legally under the law. So if someone's worked with you for 12 years and is suddenly slacking off and suddenly they're not being as productive as they used to be, you would have to pay them one month's salary for you to be able to get rid of them. So, you know, when you start looking, you know, in those terms, you know, not having people that are not working no longer becomes cheap, you know because it's just not this cheap proposition. You're better off to have, you know, two or three or four people that are working than to have 15 and half of them are not. You know, because at the end of the day, it leads to a lack of laziness. It leads to corruption. And this will go through your entire organization. So, you know, that is why communism as a principle may sound great to a lot of people and and having lived in communist countries communism and socialism is wonderful if you are poor if you are sick if you are old if you're not able to work you know that those are it's really a great system for people that fall into those categories But if you are somebody who likes to work, who wants to work, if you are somebody who wants to be productive, if you are are somebody who, who wants to see the fruits of your labors, it's a really hard system to be in because no matter how hard you work or what you do, that it will be very difficult for you to ever get ahead. Because the whole idea of communism is that everybody is equal. And that takes away all the incentives for productivity. That is why communism and productivity do not mix well together. And that is why anyone who's looking to work or to invest in Asia or other places, they should understand these principles because it helps you maybe understand some of the things that you're seeing, why you might walk into an office and find that there's a whole bunch of people and only half of them are really working. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast and that we'd love to have you be part of our community. Check out our blog at Mindoro, mondor dot We've got lots of things on there from anything from my own industry, which is home decor to home furnishing. Also, you know, on, on supply chain ethical sourcing, lots of other things like that. We hope you'll be part of our community, that if you enjoy this podcast, you'll give us a thumbs up, give us a, a, a great review. And then you'll tell our, you know, tell our friends, tell your friends about us. Thank you so much for listening. We sure do appreciate your time.